It's time for Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Well, today we begin Chapter 19 of our study in the Book of John, Chasing the Word series, we're calling it. And it's the dynamic gospel. Mm-hmm. We've said that because everywhere we turn in this story, it seems like this is probably the richest, most emotional account of the life of Jesus that we find anywhere in the gospels. Well, that's because it was written by one of his closest friends. And so we see all of the dear references of his beloved friend in the book of John. John telling this story, it's like a passion for him. And it's a passion for us too, friends. So we tell this story to you. We invite you to join with us in this Bible study. And of course, we have some resources that we've talked about are available every week with every one of our Chasing the Word series that we do. A unique Bible study is available for you personally or for any group study you might want to have together with friends or with a friend over coffee in the mornings. We have encouraged folks just to meet once a week and go through some of these kind of things and follow along with us. And how they're chasing the word. And that is on our website, CompassionRadio.com. Just look at the podcast section and click the link for the study guide materials. And you're welcome to download that PDF anytime, print it out. And it's our free gift to you as well. And it includes the chapter that we're studying right now from the Dynamic Gospel. So let's jump in now, honey. Chapter 19. Well, if we remember from last week, the end of chapter 18, Jesus has been with Pilate. And he has been having a discussion with him, an intellectual exchange and talking about truth. And Pilate appeals to the Jews and says, I can't find that he's done anything wrong. How about, as tradition states, how about it be Jesus, basically, is what he's saying. And the crowd just absolutely rebels and says, no, release Barabbas, who is a known criminal. And so that's where we left off last week. We know that from the other Gospels that the reason they kicked back against the idea was because they were being riled up by the folks in the temple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So there's a conspiracy afoot here to make sure Jesus does not make it out of this alive. Mm -hmm. And of course, they don't realize there's a kind of a conspiracy of love going on the other direction, that God knows all this and had planned for it and has prepared all this time for this very thing. And we look at that and say, well, that makes perfect sense because we know our theology. Back then, they didn't know what (laughs) we know now about Jesus and his nature and how he expressed himself and how he proved himself to be more than just a man Mm -hmm. or just a prophet. Mm -hmm. They had to live through this. And what they're about to live through is not pleasant in any regards. So in chapter 19, beginning in verse 1, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and threw a purple robe around him. And they repeatedly came up to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they were slapping his face. Pilate went outside again and said to them, Look, I'm bringing him outside to let you know I find no grounds for charging him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Here is the man. When the chief priests and the temple police saw him, they began to shout, Crucify! Crucify! Pilate responded, Take him and crucify him yourselves, for I find no grounds for charging him. We have a law, the Jews replied to him, and according to that law, he must die, because he made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid than ever. He went back into his headquarters and asked Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus did not give him an answer. So Pilate said to him, You're not talking to me? 
Don't you know that I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? You would have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him, if it hadn't been given to you from above. This is why the one who handed me over to you has the greater sin. From that moment, Pilate made every effort to release him, but the Jews shouted even louder, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat down on the judge's bench in a place called the Stone Pavement. In Hebrew, it's Gabbatha. It was the preparation day for the Passover, and it was about six in the morning. Then he told the Jews, Here is your king! But they shouted even louder, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Should I crucify your king? We have no king but Caesar, the chief priests answered. So then, because of them, he handed Jesus over to be crucified. Tough scene. Mm-hmm. It's tough on Pilate. I mean, he gets very little fair credit, I think, for being a decent human being. Right. And yet, when you read the way John writes it, you can't escape, if you really think about this, that this didn't just trouble Pilate. It tormented him. Mm-hmm. He knew that if he played along with this ruse, if he bought into this conspiracy to kill this man just because he didn't toe the line, he wasn't politically correct. Mm. Everything about him was janking the chains of everybody. Yeah. He knew how wrong it would be to murder an innocent man this way just mm-hmm. because he didn't agree with the politics of the day. Yeah, yeah. And he struggled with this. How would we not in the circumstances? But he also knows that, you know, social media of the day being what it is, when the word finally gets back to the ear of the emperor and all he hears is, you didn't serve me and they hate you because you didn't stand up for the emperor, whose head's going to be on the block at the end of the day? Well, and if a riot ensues, he's really going to be in trouble for that. He's going to be held responsible for not keeping the status quo. Keeping the peace. He is the the peacekeeper. That's Mm -hmm. what governors were in the day. They were Mm -hmm. police chiefs. Yeah, he's stuck in every way that you can imagine, historically, politically, career-wise. The times are just against him, it seems. And yet here he is playing this role. Yeah. And I do believe that Jesus gave him some relief, but also gave him all the more reason to try to make it better, Hmm. to make it not end up the way it was looking it was going to go. When you say someone else has the bigger sin than you... That's small comfort when you realize you're still going to have to do something that goes against your moral convictions, (laughs) and you know at the end of the day it will be wrong. Mm -hmm. And so he's setting up not just for the execution of a man, but for the torture of a man. Yeah, and he knows very well what happens to the people that he turns over to the guards. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in verse 12, it says that after Jesus basically let him off the hook, like you said, He made every effort to have Jesus released. He went through every channel he could possibly find, it seems like, to release Jesus. The more he tried, the more upset the crowds got, the more riled up the chief priests and temple police made the crowd. Pilate, like you said, he's in a very precarious position here. He's walking a very thin line in how do I keep the peace? How do I not put an innocent man to death? How do I make sure Caesar is happy with me? How do I, how do I, how do I? You yeah, know, he's, he's really going through that. If he goes a different route, if he chooses to do something different, says, no, I'm absolutely not going to kill this man. It's mm-hmm. just wrong. Morally, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And he camps on that. He's playing out the scenarios. Mm-hmm. If I decide that, they're going to kill him anyway. Yeah, They're going to kill my guards. If I survive this myself, I'm going to be executed by Rome. Mm-hmm. 
there is no good option that he can imagine. Yeah. So I've got pity for him. I don't yeah. have a lot of mercy for him. Yeah. It's God's job. But I dread the idea of being stuck in such a bind as pilot. Mm. And for that reason, I think I can see in him me if I was stuck in that position, too. Mm. And it's terrible. How many people are stuck in positions where they have to make life or death choices on behalf of somebody else they were not wanting to face in life? And there are no good options. Yeah. Well, honey, you just spoke with a friend of ours in Ukraine who's having to make that very decision as the leader, as the commander of a group of soldiers there. Yeah. He's a pastor. He's a pastor. And he's having to make the same kind of decision of who is ready to fight, who is really ready to get out there in the battle. Yeah. He knows, and he, I think he told you this, he knows that the men he sends out are very likely going to die. Because they're the best. Mm -hmm. And he's looking at the citizen soldiers he's in charge. Of. He has more than just a platoon. It's more like a battalion, mm -hmm. like, like more than a hundred or so under his command that will be sent to be the defenses of Kiev and the greater area. It looks like the situation in that city may change. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, things are changing quite a bit, but it also, as we know, has uncovered atrocities. Yeah. And that's made the news in the past couple of days. Mm -hmm. You know, there were a lot of governments around the world that were able to turn the other way and not really have to come out on one side or the other about Russia's aggression because they didn't have to look at it. Because they didn't have to see it means that they really don't have to deal with the moral harm that all of these decisions have amounted to. Mm -hmm. That the world is now being assaulted by the reality of an aggression that goes far beyond just differences of opinion or even territorial disputes. Something profoundly evil is going on there. Mm, right. I have no qualms in saying that. So when these pastors have to make decisions about who they put on the front lines, they know as citizen defenders that they're called to be right now, it wasn't a job they wanted. This pastor did not want to have to be training young men to face death. Mm -hmm. He's stuck in his country because he's a patriotic and loyal citizen of that country, but he loves God first. He knows that God raised him up for a time such as this, but it's not a great time. Right. There's nothing glorious about facing your death for this kind of cause other than to lay down the life for your own family is noble. Mm. It's not what they want. Yeah. And so I think... Pilate is, in this sense, in this situation, facing the same kind of quandaries that our friends now, our real friends, people you and I know, mm -hmm. are facing in the face of a destruction of a nation. The Jews felt the same way. If we don't work this out somehow, we're all going to die. And so the temple guard is simply saying, this is our practical solution to an intractable problem. They know that unless something gets resolved, unless they get their way, unless Jesus is taken care of, they can't imagine a way that they'll all survive. For them, the solution is to pour it all out on Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it's true. It has always been the truth that God will provide a way for you. What he means is not just to get out of a situation, but to get through a situation mm -hmm. by taking on the sins, by taking on the burdens of the world. The joy they have in experiencing what he has done has not come yet. The horror of what is being done to him is what they're entering into right now. Mm. It's hard to even fathom the kind of vitriol that's coming out of this crowd yeah. that the temple police and the chief priests are stirring up. All of them think they're doing God a favor. Yeah. You know, it's quite eye opening when you think about it in yeah. that way. I wanted to say something, too, about the time frame here. One translation says it's about six in the morning. Another mm -hmm. translation says that it's about noon. They agree that it's the sixth hour on the day that everyone prepares for the Passover. So 
there's a little bit of confusion as to what actual time that is. Maybe I'm the only one that's confused. Could be that if you're talking about the difference between Greek understandings of time versus Jewish understandings mm, of time. Because Luke true. obviously is speaking to a, a Greek or an un-Judaized crowd mm-hmm. through the whole world, really. Jews, of course, would understand six hours, absolutely six hours after sunrise. Okay. The day is counted from sunset to sunset. Mm-hmm. So the sixth hour of the day, the sixth hour of the first watch would be at midnight. Mm-hmm. And then the early watch came around six in the morning. So all those different phases of the day, according to Jewish calendars, probably what John is sticking with here. Mm-hmm. And whether it was the first meeting on the first pavement call that happened or the second trial in front of people or however they looked at all this, trying to keep track of the who, what, where, when, and why's is difficult. And the eyewitness accounts got it as tight as they could yeah. to the timeline. My point is that Jesus has been up a long time. He's been awake yeah. for hours. Pain's keeping him awake. Yeah. yeah. And he's been beaten. He's been drug around. He has this crown of thorns slammed down on his head. He's being mocked. He's going from this place to that place to another place and to the guards, back to Pilate's. One version of the gospel says that he was even taken over to Herod's place to be paraded in front of him. So he is exhausted. And I'm sure that the disciples, that John following along around all of this is himself exhausted and trying to keep up with everything and keep it all straight in his mind. It's just overwhelming. It should be overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. You know how you get when you're tired. I mean, you know how I get when I'm tired. I just can't or even angry. function. It's just stunning to me that he's even still on his feet. For 78 years now, we've depended on the faithful encouragement of friends just like you to bring this unique radio and media ministry to the air each day. Friends, we're focused right now on the current crisis in and around Ukraine. Like a laser. I personally met with dozens of refugees and kingdom workers who ran to the front lines of need and have selflessly given of themselves completely, thoroughly, and as I saw to the point of indescribable exhaustion. I saw a refugee and servant alike shiver in a vicious blizzard that struck the first week of March. They were very much alike in one important way. They were absolutely determined to survive this ordeal and to redeem what their lives have become. We need to follow their example. Will you help us today? We have blankets and food to buy, tanks to fill with gas, and medicine to help them survive the days ahead. This need is not going away anytime soon, even as this rescue operation rapidly sweeps the refugees farther west, away from the fighting. Friends, really, we need you now to step up. Please, give generously, even sacrificially, right away. I know that God will be pleased if we do. So call us today at one 800 868 2478. Mail us at P.O. Box 2770, Orange, California, 92859. Text the word COMPASSION to 53445 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. Bless you, friends, for your brave and activist faith. I hope we can be a real encouragement and challenge to you for many, many years to come. And make sure to ask for your own copy of The Dynamic Gospel when you contact us today. Let's read from the dynamic gospel now, this same passage. Chapter 19 of John, verse 1. So Pilate did what he could to placate the mob. He had Jesus dragged to the torture block and flailed. The palace guard curled a thorn vine into a wreath large enough to fit on Jesus' head, jamming it down until it was secure on his scalp. They took one of the spare presentation robes of royal purple and wrapped it around his shredded shoulders. 
Round the circle they spun Jesus, mocking him with his new title, King of the Jews. With each spin, another blow to the face. Pilate went again to the gate with the battered Jesus and bellowed at the mob, saying, There, you've got what you wanted. Again, I say I find no reason to condemn him to death. To the front was Jesus dragged, still wearing that crown of thorns and bloody royal robe. Take a good look, shouted Pilate. Well, it wasn't enough for the priests and the politicians. Blinded by their bloodlust, they screamed, Drive him full of nails! Crucify him now! They incited the whole crowd with their death cries. Pilate was disgusted. Do it yourselves. I want no part of it. Now the Jewish lawyers stepped in. According to our own law, he's already condemned for blaspheming. He makes himself out to be God's son, and by Roman law, we are forbidden. Or have you forgotten that? Pilate needed to find a different way, and he was running out of options. The mob was becoming unmanageable. He returned to the courtroom with Jesus, demanding something, anything of the man that might spare him. What planet do you come from? Are you insane? They want you dead, right now. Give me something. Jesus replied, not a word. Pilate wasn't done. You have no right to remain silent here. Are you aware that on my word you can be crucified without any cause whatsoever? And on my word you can walk right out of here. What's it going to be? Jesus finally broke his silence. There's nothing you can do to me unless heaven permits it. Console yourself that this mob has the greater sin for having delivered me up. They are the false accusers. You are merely the hammer. Pilate knew that an innocent man was about to be murdered and tried everything he could to prevent it. Yet the mob cried all the louder from the gates, demanding an execution. They started accusing Pilate of being a traitor to Rome if he didn't appease them. Anyone who makes himself out to be a king defies Caesar. You want to defend that? Pilate had had enough. He knew there was nothing more he could do. He had his judgment seat brought to the large courtyard called the pavement, or in Hebrew, Gabbatha, and he sat down in front of the ever-growing crowd. The Passover preparation was well underway, and the sun was high by then. Jesus was paraded in front of the mob while Pilate addressed them, saying, Here is your king! No way! they shouted back. Kill him! Kill him! You want me to kill your king? Pilate replied. The religious leaders turned an important corner when they proclaimed the following, We have no king unless it's Caesar. Pilate folded. He handed Jesus over to the official executioners who dragged him off to be impaled on a cross. You know what I can't get out of my mind today just in reading this is that in the last 24 hours, we've seen pictures of people tied up and executed for no reason. Mm. Young people... Mothers, old people, treated like trash, and thrown into mass graves. Jesus isn't going through a legal procedure here. He's being lynched. Mm. This kind of ugliness is still going on. And somehow, our hope in Jesus and in the resurrection that we find proclaimed in his very flesh is somehow going to overcome all of this. And yet, the whole world right now is walking through it again. Mm. During this Lenten season, the murders continue. And it's not just Ukraine. We hear from friends in many countries, Southeast Asia to Central Asia to South America. Yemen, the Middle East. And the Far East. They're still being killed left and right because they don't have the power to fight back. And here we have all the power in the universe laying it down to suffer like those. 
There's more to this chapter, and I think it's going to get even heavier as we go. Do you see anything hopeful in this so far as we've gotten into chapter 19? Is there some place we could hang our hat and say there's comfort in this? I think, honey, like you said earlier, where we sit today, our view of the scripture is 2020. Mm -hmm. We know the outcome. We've read the end of the book. So we look at this, I think, as if it's already a done deal. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier that these people in chapter 19 of the book of John don't see it as a done deal at this moment. They're in the middle of it. They want to do the deed. And as you were just talking about what we know of the things that are going on around the world where people are being killed for no real reason at all, no apparent infraction has been committed, and yet they're being tortured and brutally murdered just because they might look a little different or not even that, but they... In the way of something. In the way of something, in a place that should be safe in their own homes. And not a small fraction of them are believers in Jesus who are dying for Mm. their faith. Mm. It's not always so clear when the news reports it, but the reason that they're being persecuted or lynched is because they're part of the kingdom. But the point is, Jesus did not come to lay down his life for Christians. He came to lay down his life for humanity Mm -hmm. and enter into everybody's suffering. That's how big his love is. And I hope that we can hang on to that, even as dark as the world seems right now. Yeah. Well, honey, he has to be our only hope. He is the hope that we have, and not just for the future, but for now, for today. They may not be happy words today, but I hope that they're hopeful and true words that you're taking to heart today, friends, because it is the story we're telling. It's the story that God has been telling all along. It's the one he wants you to take to heart. We'll come back to this and see how it all plays out. And we'll do it together in these weeks leading up to the Easter celebration that we know is coming soon. Thank you for joining us on today's Compassion Radio, Chasing the Word. And for being part of this movement of letting God's Word speak and live within you so it can live on for others. We hope you take advantage of each of those resources we have for you. The one that's printed online, available each week in our study guide. Or the whole printed dynamic gospel that we have available as well. We love you and we thank you for standing with us and making it possible for us to keep speaking the truth in love and going there to speak the truth on your behalf to those who need to hear it and need to know their love with what they're going through, like we're doing with our Serve Ukraine project. We'd love to have you involved with that too. Thanks so much and we'll see you again tomorrow.
Thanks for joining us today. Send your special gift for the church in Ukraine today. Call 1-800-868-2478 or give online at CompassionRadio.com. God bless, and we'll see you tomorrow.